Hey, y'all. Welcome to Latte and Laundry. I'm Suzanne Bilodeau, and I am so honored to be with you here as we navigate motherhood, wifehood, sisterhood, and everything in between. This is a podcast for my fellow imperfect people who want to grow in greater communion with our most perfect God. So join me and my friends as we laugh, cry, dive deep, and explore with one another as we journey towards stilling our souls while moving our world. Hey guys, and welcome back to Latte Laundry. I'm excited today because we're going to talk about something. Actually, I I should put a little disclaimer on that. I'm not super excited to talk about some of the things we're talking about today because I'm going to get really real. But I think it's important to talk about uh, the topic at hand today, which is this idea of don't be the accuser. And what does that mean? Sounds pretty like generic, right? Like don't be the accuser. But it circles around um, this idea we'll dive deep into around the enemy. But before we get started, I wanted to start with a very simple Bible verse for our opening today that I think is just <laughs> profoundly simple, yet important for us to realize about the enemy himself. And it says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is from John eight forty four. Okay, so that is seems like, okay, yeah, obviously the enemy is a liar. But I think it's really important and profound that we we realize that he's a liar and he's also very (laughs) sneaky liar at that. And I want to dive into, you know, we hear a lot throughout the Bible, the enemy being called by different names. And the one that set really deep into my heart recently, as I was reflecting on some things and having some prayer time with God and just something I had heard really impacted my heart where I was like, oh gosh, I'm realizing that. The enemy is one of the sneakiest and dangerous accusers we will ever encounter in our lives. In fact, he is the accuser. And it says that in um, Revelations. But before I quote the, the actual Bible verse where we hear that he is referred to as the accuser, I just want to get into, you know, you've probably heard me do this on other podcasts before. I have a tendency to really like to get to the depth of Um, the meaning of certain words, what they mean and where they came from and whatnot. It's really get a bit of handle on our topic at hand. So a lot of times I just pull it straight from Webster Dictionary, which is what we're going to do today. And when we look at the definition of of what an accuser is, it is a person who claims that someone has committed an offense or done something wrong to charge someone with a fault or offense. And on top of just looking at that, um, let's look at what the synonyms are for accuser um, or to accuse. The synonyms for um, acute to accuse is defame, incriminate, indict. Pretty heavy, not so light, <laughs> light-handed words. And this topic really came to me when I was reflecting on how I was relating to my my children. I was having a hard couple of days and I was getting very like short tempered and kind of letting just preconceived judgments fill my heart with regards to how I felt and what I thought about with regards to my kids. And so I found myself um, kind of losing my temper and I would say 
blaming and or accusing my kids of certain things and just with regards to the energy in our house and messes and the battles they were having with one another. And I was just very critical. Um, I wasn't just disciplining. I was actually just very critical. And then later on within, I just, it was one of those mom days where you felt really like, ugh, I was ugly. I kind of failed in that moment. And then shortly thereafter, I was um, listening to someone talk about something and they referred to the enemy as the accuser. And it was like a lightning bolt struck me in my chest. And I just felt so profoundly in that moment that, oh my gosh, when I sit here and I um, just have these preconceived judgments on my children and kind of giving out, like when I have these ugly days, I often will spew out generalized statements about my children to my children like you guys never care about blah 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 or you're always messing blah 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 up in a way that's super obviously dangerous for their hearts um because there should be no generalized statements given out like that but I'm human I'm fallen and I'm broken and I mess up but in this period I had when I had heard the phrase of the enemy as the accuser I realized oh my gosh He is profoundly working through me to be that voice, the accuser in the hearts and minds of my children. I mean, that's the goal, right? The enemy hates holy marriages, holy families, and he loves to break us down in any way possible. And so I realized in that moment that when I um, turn to my children with that disposition, and I'm not saying I'm always going to be able to have this disposition of peace or anything because... Shirley knows I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm crawling my way towards that and, I, and it's still a real struggle. But that when I have these generalized um, judgments or criticisms at my children, I am now allowing the enemy to work through me and I am becoming the accuser for my children in their hearts. And that's really sad. And even more profoundly after I realized this, within a couple of days, I still was just, I was just kind of going through a hard, week or two and so I was just really struggling in motherhood and and just the day-to-day and shortly thereafter while this idea of being the accuser already sat in my heart an interaction happened with one of my daughters that really profoundly made me realize how much and I know this I think all of us mamas who who are desire to have our kids come to know the love of God and for us to grow in greater communion with him We all kind of know this intelligently in our minds, but sometimes it takes these like really painful moments to have it pierce our hearts in profound ways that um, the relationship that I have with my child can have a huge impact on how they receive the love of our Heavenly Father or the love of, of Jesus and the Holy Trinity and just knowing how much they're cared for. And that can seem like a lot of weight and unfortunately a lot of pressure. And that's not my intention here is to let anybody feel the weight and the stress of living up to being these perfect mothers because newsflash, we won't ever be. But I also think the truth of the matter is it does impact how we um, relate to our children does impact how they first recognize God's love. And so I had a moment where um, my two-year-old, she is extremely articulate. She always has been. So um, I think she's just one of those children that's her mind has always been far above her, her body, which is also why she's probably such a 
um, has, was such a challenging baby because she knew what she wanted, when she wanted it, and couldn't express herself. But now that she's verbal, she's very articulate about how she feels about something. So like if I get upset about something with another child, she might be off in the corner crying for like a quick second until I scoop her up in my arms and she'll be whimpering, I don't want mommy to be mad. And she's very expressive about how she does not want things to feel in our home. And it, sometimes it's really hard to have a child who's so articulate like that in the house. But I also find it to be a, a great blessing because it keeps me on my toes and makes me realize the kind of things that most of my children are probably feeling but don't express. And so I delight in it, even though it's painful. Um, but this particular day, I had gotten really upset and I rarely ever get upset with her. Like I might get frustrated at a situation, but I don't actually get upset with her. And she was just being really defiant because she's a two-year-old and that's what they do. And um, I don't recall exactly what the interaction was and what caused me to get so upset. But I was really upset and it was within these like few weeks of me really struggling and having a hard time. And she um, ended up just really um, crying and whimpering. And I, and I so I scooped her up once, you know, when especially with my two-year-old, if and when she'll let me scoop her up when she's having a hard time, I try to hold her and let her express whatever she's feeling. And in this day, I had just gotten really upset and might have like lost my temper and raised my voice with her. And within a minute, she was she was crying and I calmed myself down enough to make the good choice to scoop her up and hold her and let her cry in my arms and, you know, apologize for losing my temper. And, and, and she was, she was, weeping and crying and I couldn't quite make out what it was that she was saying and so I kept saying Letty which her name is Colette and we call her Letty for short Letty Letty I don't understand what you're saying and in between sobs I finally understood what she was saying and she says she said Jesus doesn't love me anymore and if that isn't one of the most painful things as a mom you can hear I don't know what else is and I and in that moment I was like oh my gosh I, my, my legs almost gave out from underneath me because I realized the great impact of me losing my temper, how instantly she relates that to the love of God. Like there, we hadn't been talking about anything to do with God or Jesus or Mary or the saints or anything within the hours preceding that. But somehow knowing mommy was upset made her feel that Jesus didn't love her anymore. So I quickly, you know, reconciled that situation with her and affirmed God's love for her. But it just started spiraling more in the depths of my heart, this idea that we cannot be the accuser in the hearts of our kids. And all too often, unfortunately, I wish I could say I'm not, but I am. And I'm growing every day. I'm crawling my way towards becoming more of the mom that God has called me to be. But this is one of those times where I just felt so... um, devastated by the impact of my mistake on the heart of her and I feel like I was blessed again that she could express herself so well that I could kind of redeem the situation and have a deeper look inside myself regarding it Um, and I think it's important that we we really like dive into this Bible verse from Revelation and I'm going to read it really slow um, because it's a little a little meaty and a little long but it's important because it really just outlines who the enemy is. And it says in Revelations 12, 9 through 11 says, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. 
He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they they loved not their lives even unto death. Okay, so I'm going to read that accuser line one more time. For the accuser of our brethren have been thro- has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. That is the enemy. And I mean, I know we have all these, the, he's the deceiver, the liar, the accuser. I mean, so many of these are just so powerful. But this idea of the accuser was something that really had to sit in my heart and realize that the enemy would love for us to, to play that role in the hearts of our children and how, and how dangerous that is. And so as I was reflecting on this and praying on this, God just really lit up within my heart this even greater truth that if he did not leave us alone with the accuser, no, 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 no. In fact, he left us with someone even more powerful and greater than the accuser. accuser. And I will read um, the Bible verse that relates to that, which is John 14, 26, which says, but the advocate the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. All right, again, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit at our fingertips who dwells within us to come help us reject the enemy wanting to work through us as the accuser. And... Um, similar to how I did with accuser, I want to just dive into what the definition of what does advocate mean? It's a person who argues for or supports a person, group, or cause. And I thought it was so cool when I was looking at the synonyms for advocate. The One of the first ones in this like secular Webster dictionary says a high priest. I'm like, boom, Jesus, our high priest. Um, so it says some of the synonyms are high priest, friend, supporter, one who champions for you. And I'm like, oh, I mean, if that isn't more of who we are called to be in the lives of our children than the accuser, I don't know what it is. So and I and, and I think, you know, we all too well for our own selves. Um, it is deeply dangerous for us when we feel accused rather than supported and encouraged. And I don't mean that, again, like Julie and I talked about this a little bit in our um, podcast on breathing life into the hearts of our children instead of death. And I think this just dives even deeper into it when regards to really looking in on being an advocate versus an accuser. And and I don't think this just relates to our relationship with our children. I think it relates profoundly to our relationship with our spouse, to our loved ones, to our friends, that we're called to be advocates. And that doesn't even mean that you always have to agree with everything because surely the Holy Spirit does not agree with everything that I'm doing. Yet he is my champion. He is one who argues for me and in support of me. And sometimes supporting your child is saying, hey, you can't do that, that's dangerous. Or sometimes supporting your spouse is calling them out and willing the good of one another. But it does mean that in general, you are this supporter, this champion, this encourager. And 
I think what was interesting when I was kind of researching this idea of being an accuser versus versus an advocate and um, the impact it has on accusing someone, I think something that was really interesting for me, especially as a mom, um, but I've seen this as interactions with friends and stuff, was a study done by Harvard. Um, I don't know in what year, but Harvard did a study on um, to show kind of the impact of being accused of something on innocent versus guilty people. And it's it's it sounds like such a simple study and the outcome is so to some might be very obvious, but to me it was kind of eye opening. And the study showed that um, so what, what they did was they took a random number of people and randomly assigned them either a simple task or a difficult task. And the simple task that they had to do was to take a piece of paper. There was like a paragraph and then they had to copy the paragraph and the first letter of each sentence and the last letter of each sentence, they just had to capitalize when they copied of every sentence, when they copied the paragraph, that was the easy task. Now the people that were assigned the difficult task had to read the paragraph and pull out every adverb that was contained within the paragraph or the essay or whatever it was. And that might seem like a very like easy thing for some people, but I'm sure for many of the randomly assigned p- individuals, they either didn't know what an adverb was or couldn't always identify it. Um, and so at the end of this, they would um, have a conversation with the person that they had that they assigned a task to individually. And they found that the people that had the difficult task when they said to them basically like, okay, you've gotten everything, you messed everything up, you didn't understand the assignment, you really blew it. They were relatively peaceful and just disappointed that they had kind of not done a great job, but they didn't get defensive. Whereas when they um, approached the individuals who had done the easy task of just capitalizing the first and last letter of every sentence, and they approached them saying that you may really mess this up, you didn't understand the assignment, and kind of kind of blamed them and accused them of not doing what they were asked to do. The people in that situation got extremely angry and defensive. And I think for me as a mom, this was actually quite eye-opening because when I assume something about one of my children and I either blame them or accuse them, and I've seen this even in relationships with friendships and and my spouse and whatnot, that if, if I play that role of accusing someone or blaming someone, I often assume when they're defensive that they're guilty, when they get riled up and angry that they're guilty. And why would you be so defensive and angry if, you, if you're innocent? Just claim your innocence in a peaceful manner if you were innocent. Kind of, that's like my inner thoughts. Um, but this Harvard study pretty much debunked that assumption. And that doesn't mean everybody follows in suit in every interaction just as I described with the Harvard results. However, in general, that's one of the ways that they found that the human person responds to being accused. And I thought that was really interesting. It made me a little bit more gentle um, with my children. So that's just one one thing that I thought was, was um, somewhat interesting. Um, but another thing that I thought was really important with regards to being an advocate for the people in our lives, especially those we've been called to shepherd and to come to know God, which is our children, is um, that I read somewhere, I think it was like in a psychological study or something, I'll have to look it up later, but that the first response of someone being accused of something is a dire need to redeem safety. 
Okay. I'm going to say that again slowly. The first response of someone being accused is a dire need to redeem safety. So when we play the role of the accuser in the lives of people we love, their initial innate instinct is to redeem safety. And honestly, as the mama to many, we're actually called to be that soft place to fall. We are called to be that safe place that they know they can rest their hearts and their souls. We're not perfect, but we should be a safe place. And if we find ourselves becoming trapped on playing the role of the accuser very often, we will not be that safe place because we instinctually have caused them to feel unsafe and trying to redeem safety quickly. And so I thought for myself too that I always say, and that's one of the things I'm always praying for when, I, when I'm doing my decades of the rosary for each kiddo, is pray, I always pray specifically, I mean, I might specifically pray about some things with regards to what they're experiencing or dealing with in that moment. But a lot of times I'm just praying for and asking Mary to please intercede for my children so that they may come to know, seek, love, adore our her good, her most perfect son, our good God, and that they might find comfort in a soft place to fall with him. And again, as you can see with that experience I had with my daughter, Colette, if I'm playing this role of being the accuser and not a safe place more often than not, that will impact how she, unfortunately, the truth is it will impact how she sees our Heavenly Father, our beloved Jesus, and how they are a safe place to fall and that she can turn and run to them, that they are her refuge. And so this has just been like a really profound experience for me as I'm continuing to grow in motherhood. And I thought it was just a really important topic to, to touch on. Um, and there was one other quote I, I thought was really important to touch base on before we wrap up this episode. And it's um, one of my favorite saints um, by St. John Paul the Great. And he says, it's just, it sounds, again, this is a very simple, short quote, but it's beautiful. It says, the human person is a good towards which the only proper attitude is love. Okay, so I messed that up a lot because I'm sure I don't always give the attitude of only love towards those in my life. But I'm going to read this quote again, slowly. The human person is a good towards which the only proper attitude is love. And this actually is going to lead me into my last part of the discussion here, which is I've talked a great deal about um, being the accuser towards our children, towards our friends, or towards our spouses or family, and to just really not allow the enemy to work through us in that way. The accuser himself would love to play that role in our lives. But I think another really important piece of this is to not be the accuser for ourselves, to not allow the father of lies, the accuser himself, to penetrate deep into the broken and wounded places of our hearts that we end up becoming the accusers of ourselves. Because again, as JP2 said, 
The only proper attitude is love. And that includes towards ourselves. And we can be, especially as mamas, who I've always said, and I'll probably say it on many podcasts, I always say being a mom is like walking around with a big heavy chain on your around your neck with a sign that says guilt. Because as a mom, we mess up a lot, as you saw, <laughs> I, I clearly did with my daughter. And it can make us f- be filled with a lot of guilt. But the important thing is that we don't get filled with shame. And I think I'm going to make a whole other podcast <laughs> on guilt versus shame. Because I do think when we make mistakes, it's important that our conscious the guilt sparks, sparks up within us to help us bring about change, to redeem for the resurrection, the reconciliation, but it shouldn't allow us to sit in the shame. And that's where the enemy would so love to do it. And so I just, there was a book that I was, I was reading and it was a slow book. It's a, a book by Henry Nowen called The Inner Voice of Love. And it's really beautiful. It's meant to be read really slowly, maybe one little lesson a day. And I usually swallow up books, for so that took a lot of discipline for me. Um, but this book was a lot of his own inner journey and, and experiences while he was going through a really difficult time in his own life. He had a period of darkness for a couple years. And this was his own journal that he was writing to help coach him through some of that. And a lot of his own spiritual reflections during that time. And he wasn't going to share it with anybody. But through guidance from a lot of spiritual directors and people in his life, I think maybe eight years later, he decided he he decided it was the will of God that he re- release these little letters to himself. And and one of them, the header of the, the, the section is called, Avoid All Forms of Self-Rejection. And I'll read a quote from this that I think is really important and touches base onto this this idea of not being the accuser in your own heart. And it says, you must avoid not only blaming others, but also blaming yourself. You are inclined to blame yourself for the difficulties you experience in relationships. But self-blame is not a form of humility. It is a form of self-rejection in which you ignore or deny your own goodness and beauty. I love Henry Nowen. That is so powerful. And I think that's, that's again, really important for us to look at is that when we are allowing ourselves to be the accuser in our, in our own lives, it's really dangerous. It is a form of self-rejection. It's not, it's not humility. It is rejecting our own um, God-given dignity, beauty, and goodness. And that doesn't mean don't go to confession because I go frequently. (laughs) That doesn't mean don't go to confession with our mistakes and our sins and try to grow and learn from them. But be careful to not be that accuser in your heart and in your mind because that's clearly what the accuser himself would delight in. So my friends, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Um, I just want to pray for all my listeners and for, and for myself that we can call upon the advocate in our lives so that we can be that within our own hearts and within those of the people that God has placed in our pathways and to reject the accuser <laughs> at all times and be careful to not play that, allow him to play that role through and in you. So blessings to you all and I can't wait to catch up with you next week. Bye.